Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of Sticks in the Six. I'm your host, Andrew Forbes, here with my co-host, Peter Barracchini. And Peter, another week in the books. We've got hockey to talk about, and what a week it's been for the NHL. Yeah, I mean, really coming down to the end of the week where, you know, the biggest headline was, you know, the line A and uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois deal. I mean, Wow. I mean, we. I mean, we had storylines. We had a lot of games. We had a lot of like, you know, headlines going all week. But that one just topped it all off. And this early on in the season, I mean, even in a regular two eighty-two game season, you don't get this kind of like breaking news until like a month or two in. We're only two weeks in, and we already got like a big blockbuster deal right now. Yeah, no, it almost worked out perfectly. Um, you know, obviously a, a busy week in the NHL. We had lots to talk about, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, what a way to end the week. Go into our <laughs> uh, recording here on Sunday morning. And yeah, uh, yeah just uh, an unbelievable trade, but we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. How are you doing through this last week? Doing good, man. Doing good. Um Obviously, a lot of writing, a lot of, you know, watching hockey. I know uh, we were talking about this a little off before we started recording. I'm like, it's been a while since I've been into like video games. Like, obviously, throughout my childhood, teens, universities, been playing video games a lot. I haven't been so like this whole entire like year. Video games basically took a back burner, like eight, nine months. I really didn't play anything. Man, I am really getting into the gaming grind right now. And Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I know I mentioned it last week how I was going to start playing that. It is absolutely my favorite game of all time right now. And that's saying a lot of games on like on the Nintendo system and other systems that I have. It's just fantastic. And I'm loving every second of it, man. How are you doing, though? Not bad, not bad. Uh, I've definitely I've got a Nintendo Switch down here that I'm going to have to dust off and, and try out. But uh <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been a good week. Um, I'm going to pump your tires a little bit. Uh, you got your uh, your first prospect <laughs> rankings list out uh, this week. And yeah. Uh, fantastic list. So, listeners, if you're, uh, if you're tuning in right now, definitely take a look at uh, what Peter's got going with prospect rankings. Um, obviously, you know, we're, we're still unsure of what's going on with the draft. But, mm-hmm. um yeah, it's a, always fun if you're into the prospect uh, field to take a look at uh, different rankings around the league, and, and Peter's jumping into that this this season as well. So that's obviously something we want to talk about. Something I wanted to yeah. mention, and, and again, we talked about this before the episode starts. Um, yeah, last week I kind of listened through uh, the last episode, <laughs> and for those who are just tuning into the podcast, uh, I, I have an eight-month-old at home um he he's he's starting to learn his own voice and, and uh you know it's it's definitely fun to to listen to but uh, as a podcaster sometimes he'll make a little uh appearance on this show as well but so if you do hear some some callings in the background that's uh that's my eight month old son oakley um and uh yeah he's 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 a gem and um yeah just in case you do hear him hear him every once in a while that's uh that's what you're hearing 
I don't think you really need to apologize, man. I think he just wants to get a pair of headphones, join in on the mic and talk hockey. I mean, he seems to be really passionate right now. That would be really great to have him on soon. Yeah, he, you know, he's not <laughs> far out. I, I keep joking with my wife that, uh, you know, he's he's starting to crawl. He's moving around. He's uh, he's quick on all fours. But uh, as soon as he gets to the, the, the feet, um, you know, skates are definitely coming out. Uh, this is a kid that's, you know, he's only, he's only just over 17 years away from his NHL draft year. So... <laughs> We'll keep that in mind as he goes forward. Start him off before he even turns uh, one. I I love it. I love Absolutely. the I love Absolutely. the passion and I love the drive already <laughs> with it, man. Obviously, you know he, I'll make sure he has a love for the game. I'm not pushing him into anything he doesn't want to do. But uh, yeah. uh, you know I keep exposing him to the game as much as possible. I know his uh, his older cousin is a huge hockey fan. Likes to sing O Canada before he does the plays mini sticks down in the basement. So. <laughs> Uh, he's got he's got the he's got the right people in place. Got that whole NHL vibe going. Absolutely, um, but uh, yeah, getting into the NHL, as we mentioned, mm-hmm. it was a crazy week. Um, obviously, you know something we don't like to talk about right off the hop, but uh, Jared uh, Jared McCann was fined for his elbow on Travis Sinham, uh of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. Um, you know, it was, it was a clear cut, uh, elbow. Uh, I, I personally thought it was suspension worthy, but, um, you know, likely because of McCann's history, he got away with a fine. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, uh, it'll definitely be one that goes down in the, uh, the books in case, uh, he comes back and has another issue down the road. Yeah. I, I mean, he fully stuck his elbow out. I mean, he wasn't like going for a body to make a hit. He got Sanheim's chin. Like, he got all of it. And, yeah, I could understand you want to give him a fine. He doesn't have a history. But you know what? I'm getting to the point right now. Forget the fines. If it's a dirty hit, if it's suspendable right away, put him down for a one-game suspension. Even if he doesn't, like, have a history, forget the fines and everything. The fines really don't do much. Go and make a point right away. Listen. This is a dirty hit. We don't like it. You should have known better. I mean, he fully clipped him. Like, you saw his elbow come out. I mean, like, you know what he was doing. Just suspend him. Like, I am I understand the fines, but it's not doing anything. Yeah, I, I won't go as far as saying it was exactly the same, but it's very reminiscent of, um, for us Leaf fans, taking us back to Ty Domi on Scott Niedermeyer when he just threw the elbow, knew exactly what he was doing, and clipped him right in the yeah. chin. And, uh Obviously not as brutal of a hit. Uh, that being said, I mean, you're targeting the head. You know damn well what you're doing. And yeah. uh, I, I think at, at this point, uh, you know, you, you, you get lost wages when you uh, serve a suspension anyways. Mm-hmm. It's about time that, you know, we just start handing out one-game suspensions. Force yeah. these players to learn and adapt. Um, and, you know, again... I, I've been so critical of the Department of Player Safety over the last few years, just based on how much gray area and how much inconsistency there is. Tyler Myers hit on Joel Armia of the uh, Montreal Canadiens the other night. Um, Myers obviously, you know, ser- served a uh, served a penalty following the hit. Um, got into a fight with Joel Edmondson the following game, which obviously, you know, answered the bell for for the hit, but. No response from the Department of Player Safety. And, 
you know, you go from a hit like Jared McCann where it's an elbow right to the right to the head, and, and Tyler Myers, if you look at the reverse angle of the hit, definitely was a it was a head hit. It was a head hit. And and Myers has had a history of, you know, suspension and he's had a history of being a, a highly penalized player. Mm-hmm. At what point do you say, you know, enough's enough and, and, and give this guy a couple games so he learns his lesson? Yeah, I mean, this this hit, I, I'm still trying to, like, figure out. Like, it didn't look like the hit was the main point of contact. It looked like a whiplash effect. I mean, it looked like he cut, like he did get Armia high up, like, in the, like, collarbone neck area. And to me, that's still you're walking a fine line because they're all connected to the head, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I still agree with you on that. I mean, it should have been at least suspension worthy or at least taken a look at or like, you know, it was it, it was different than the McCann one. I will say that. But at the same time, it's still walking that fine line because it's still in a dangerous area. I mean, let's face it. I mean, even if you do damage to the neck or, like, at the top, you're looking at, like, a pretty severe injury no matter what. And Myers was coming in. It was on the blind side. And I think that's what made it look, like, a little bit more um, prominent as to try and get, like, some sort of uh, supplemental discipline. But, yeah, I mean, hits like that, man, you got to be very careful. Simple as that. Like, yes, it's a fast pace. Yes, it's in a pandemic no fans you still want to bring that same kind of energy but at the same time you should know when to let up on a hit no matter what yeah i think it, it definitely hurt that armia was kind of looking back along the boards for mm-hmm. the puck um and kind of looked up at the last second and and you know watching the replay it is a hit more to the chest and it was kind of the upwards motion of of myers yeah now, does my does Myers' height play play a role? Absolutely. Um, you're talking about a guy who's just you know far far taller than a lot of players in the league, mm-hmm. and you know that down it hurts him in that sense where that when he's trying to to make a hit, he does come up. Um, and I I do think that there was more of a whiplash effect. That being said, when a player's got his head down, that's exactly what they're trying to take out of the game. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. not to say they're taking hitting out of the game altogether, but I mean, it's such a controversial, and this, this is what I mean with the department of player safety. It's such a gray area on what yeah. the expectation is. And I think that's why there's so much confusion, like for, for people on the outside, like yourself and I, um, where, where we talk about, you know, what constitutes an illegal hit to the head, yeah. um, you know, because Myers came up, is that something that, you know, they look at? I, I don't know. I don't, I really don't know. The, I just think there's too much gray area. I think the Department of Player Safety needs to put something black and white in writing. And, and uh, you know, obviously we can go from there. Yeah, this is, I mean, the fact that they want to take, you know, those kind of head hits or like uh, where the head is the main principal point of contact out of the game. Great. But by you just saying, okay, we'll give you a fine. We'll give you a one game suspension. We'll give you another two, even though you're a second time offender. If it gets, it's getting to the point right now where, you know what? Put your foot on the ground. Stop it. Enough is enough. They, a lot of these players have been in the league long enough for like at least a few years to know that this is the direction the NHL wants to go. 
they should know that those hits are unacceptable. And again, you kind of have like the Tyler Myers situation where, you know, you possibly have a good clean hit and then, you know, there's like a whiplash effect or an unfortunate situation that happens afterwards that, you know what, people are going to say, oh, well, his head got hit or he injured his head on the play. And it's like, yeah, but the head wasn't the main point of contact. So there are a lot of different variables right now where, you know, the NHL has to buckle down, has to set some rules in place that, you know what, even if it comes to a point where if it's, you don't want to take hitting out of the game because even if it's an after effect where it's a clean hit, you don't want that to impact the game because, you know, the physical play is such a major part of it. No, absolutely. And um, yeah, like I said, I think it's just a matter of figuring out what, where the rule lies and, 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 and deciphering what it means for the entire league to understand mm-hmm. what's going on. I think there's just there's way too much gray area. There has yeah. been for a number of years. You've seen a number of people come in and, and head that department, and, and really nothing has changed. So yeah. um, when it comes down to it, they just got to figure it out. But, um, yeah, um, obviously uh, Edmondson, good on him for, for coming out and, and talking to Myers uh, pregame and, and just making sure that uh, he was ready to answer the bell. And, um, you know, uh, obviously we don't condone stage fighting, but uh, that said, Edmondson was looking out for his his, uh, his teammate in Armia and trying to trying to you know just say hey we're we're, we're not going to accept that and it's sometimes that's the the camaraderie and the the brotherhood that you see in the league. So um, good on him for that. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't want to continue pumping the tires of the Montreal Canadiens on a Toronto podcast. Um, <laughs> that said, we do have to talk about Tyler Toffoli. Uh, lighting up his former club, the Vancouver Canucks, for five goals in two games. Yeah. Um, you know, so far this season, Montreal scored the most goals in the NHL with 29. Um, and obviously, Toffoli's been a huge part of that. I, I, he's almost had a little bit of a resurgence so far in the, uh, in in the red, white, and blue. Um, eight points in six games, five goals, all coming against Vancouver over the last two contests. Just unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, but uh, yeah, it, good for him for for you know coming back after Montreal didn't re-sign him. He played ten games with them la- to to finish the year last year and uh, had ten points. And, and uh, obviously he wanted to sign somewhere with that that was a big stage, and he's getting the opportunity in Montreal. Yeah, it looked like he was like. Not necessarily saying that the contract was looking bad, but it just didn't seem like he was he was still trying to find his feet go, or he was still trying to find his feet and still find his game. And I know a lot of players are doing that right now, given the situation where, you know, one week camp, no preseason games, all that. But man, he came out big and what a perfect time to do it than against your former team. Like that was a big statement. I mean, we see revenge stories a lot. Or, like, players, like, getting back at their former teams. But this is some, like, next-level Hollywood movie kind of thing where, like, the drama is just right there. And I think he's saying, listen, this is the perfect time to come out and, you know, put your best foot forward. And I think the Canucks right now, that those five goals in two games, is that a point where, you know, they're regretting not signing him? not making him a bigger part because he even like elevated his play during the playoffs too. And the play, um, when, uh, the return to play happened. So, I mean, 
yeah, we don't want to focus too much on the Habs on a Leaf podcast, but you know what? Give credit where credit is due. This is starting to look like a great deal for the Habs right now. And I've always loved Tyler Toffoli. I thought he was an underrated goal scorer. And now he's he probably, he's now finding a the role that he's comfortable with with the Canadians right now. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to mention, uh, also, Corey Perry came in last game and potted a goal after being a part of the taxi squad for Montreal. Mm-hmm. I loved the offseason signing by them. I thought it was great for them um, to add a guy like that. I'm a huge Corey Perry fan, obviously, having played for the London Knights. Um, but yeah, I, I love that he came in and just kind of stuck it to them a little bit and said, Hey, look, I still got some in the, in the tank and, and, yeah. uh, got that done. So, uh, Montreal is off to a great start. Um, Carey Price became the fifth youngest goalie in NHL history to reach 350 wins the other night or last night rather. Um, just a, a testament to what he's been able to do on, on a team that maybe hasn't had the greatest team success over his tenure there. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, for, for Carey Price to, to be able to come in and, and be that kind of goaltender and be able to, to reach that milestone, um, again, a testament to what he's been able to do at the NHL level. Yeah. I mean, even the last two or three years like really haven't been Carey Price's best years, but he is still the best player on, you know, a team that was struggling in terms of like, you know offense and finding consistency overall in the league but you know what this just proves never count carry price out i mean this is vintage carry price that we're seeing right now and how good are his pads like the change up that he made like they look really nice i don't know if that has something to do with it but just the change in that could like change a whole goalie's attitude you know you you got more comfortable equipment I, again i don't know how much that's going to play but you know what he's dialed in he's in the hey, zone he's making little- saves yeah, a little, a little bit, of, a little change it brings a lot of confidence, though, right? Like, that's <laughs> that's what it is. Those new pads they came with. Uh, you don't pay that high price in, for pads if you don't uh, get a little confidence with them. No, definitely. And yeah, I mean, hey, look, it's a little changes. It's a little changes. It may not make a major impact, but hey, you don't know hockey superstitions, right? Absolutely. And uh, the three hundred fiftieth win of his career also put him into. 23rd all-time on the NHL's wins list. Um, he, he's got some pretty incredible numbers if you look back uh, over his career. 686 career regular season games played, 350 wins, 250 losses, uh, 2.5 goals against average, and a 9.17 save percentage with 48 shutouts. So, I mean, this is a guy who has just done it all. He's 33 years old. He's still got uh, a lot of hockey ahead of him. Um, he just moves with grace when he's in the net. Obviously, he's had a little bit of injury trouble over the past few seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. That said, if this is a guy that can stay healthy and, and Montreal can put a few things together, they've got a, a good pipeline. And um, obviously, again, not something that we want to see uh, team success when it comes <laughs> to uh, Montreal. But um, on a personal level, I think what Price has done for the game is uh, – is incredible, and I think for him to uh, to have an opportunity to to win some games and, and put some some uh, success together, I think that's incredible for him. Yeah, especially since now that they're still in the in a division with us, so you know that rivalry and hate is still going to boil up even more. But um, no, I mean you just nailed it. I mean, 2017-18, he had 16 wins, kind of like you know a really done year. We went 16, 26, and seven. But still had a 900 save percentage, allowing three 
11 as goals against average, but then he bounced back with 35 and 27, and now he's 2-0-2 right now. I mean, the Habs are having a loss in regulation. So that says something about, like, how Carey Price is the backbone of that team. He's the last line of defense, and he's been keeping his team in no matter what. The game against Toronto, the games again, I mean, well, not just Toronto, but every game that they play so far, he's been... He's been the one, re, the main reason for their success right now. This, I mean, along with the scoring, but hey, Carey Price is Carey Price. You got to say that, you know what? He's been their go-to player right now. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I uh, I continually get a, a daily update from a friend of mine who's a Montreal fan on where Montreal sits in the standings. So um, <laughs> I, I can't wait for them to get those first couple of losses in regulation. And hopefully, uh, hopefully I don't get any more pictures of the standings uh, moving forward. But <laughs> um yeah no it's definitely it's definitely good for them it's good great for price and um yeah it's uh you, you can't say much more about the guy he's, he's a phenomenal goaltender and and i look forward to seeing how much success he has um you know throughout the rest of his career speaking of careers though chirps are getting real right now the chirps are getting real man. The chirps are getting real right now yeah absolutely <laughs> and and you know what like being in a division with them, I don't think it's going to stop. Like it just, it's, it's constantly back and forth. We talked about doing like a, a zoom call or a FaceTime the next time Montreal and Toronto play. And uh, man, I don't know if I can, like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to have to have, you know, a few beers and, and sit back and, and kind of keep my <laughs> mouth shut. But um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Definitely. Definitely. Um Early careers for a lot of guys this year. We've seen a lot of rookies step into the lineups for their play, for their respective teams, and for the most part, uh, there's there's a fair amount of them having success. And I in in our notes, I I did have Sher, uh, Sharon Govich uh, from the New Jersey Devils. Uh, you know, obviously yeah. had his first goal and uh, has two points throughout uh, throughout the season so far, but. I'm going to talk about rookies as a whole. I don't want to talk about Sharon Govich. He's kind of, you know, he's an interesting prospect, interesting rookie. But um, I want to talk about what we've seen from Lafreniere so far. Um, Obviously, hasn't uh, really gotten on the board. Um, Bowen Byram uh, made his debut for the the Colorado Avalanche, played 11, just over 11 minutes, had had a penalty and a shot. and then got an assist in the following game, um, so he he's he's you know gotten on the score sheet. But Kirill Kaprasov, five yeah. points for, for Minnesota. Josh Norris, four points for Ottawa. Ty Smith, four points for New Jersey. Niles Hoglander, three points for Vancouver. I mean the list just continually goes. Um, you want to talk about plus minus for a second? Condre Miller in New York, a plus four, second in the league. Alexander Romanov, a plus five for Montreal. Some more Montreal love for you Montreal fans out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Vanacek in, in Washington. We talked about him on an earlier episode. A 290 yeah. goals against. Uh, Kapo Kakinen uh, from Minnesota, 120 goals against. He leads uh, all rookie goaltenders in goals against, save percentage, and wins. Um, you know, it's just, it's going to be the year of the rookie, I think. And and the fact that this could be, this could be more of an interesting colder race than I think people were giving it credit for. Um, you know, people talked about Kaprasov early on. Obviously, Lafreniere was a guy that people mentioned. Um, but, I mean, we got to take into account what, what some of these goaltenders are doing and what some of these defensemen are doing as well. 
Yeah. No, definitely. And, and, and I think that, you know, it's interesting because we just had a, I mean, this year's draft is kind of unpredictable, right? I guess you could say this year's kind of rookie race is unpredictable. We would have thought that, you know, Alessi Lafreniere would have had at least, you know, maybe, you know, I would say maybe at least two or three points. But yeah, him not, uh, not finding the score sheet, I guess it's also like a testament to like the way the New York Rangers are playing right now. It's kind of like up in the air, kind of inconsistent of what's going on. But I mean, yeah, you mentioned a lot of really great names, Kaprizov, Smith, Norris. Um, one name that like really stands out for me and he's done, he, he's the one that like probably not necessarily started the lacrosse, but man has done it multiple times. Nils Hoglander on the Vancouver Canucks right now. I mean, three points to seven games minus three, but you know what? Ranking fourth overall in rookie scoring right now. He's, he's pretty good. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he throws his name into the rookie conversation talk right now because this is still a pretty good crop. I mean, Gabe Velarde, two goals. Alexander Romanoff, one goal, one assist. Um, Liam Foody, two assists right now. Yo Kiviranta, who just came out of nowhere in the playoffs. Dylan Cousins. Um, Adam Brooks. Considered as a rookie, Toronto Maple Leaf prospect scored in his first get uh, f- scored his first NHL goal um, Friday night against Edmonton, and yeah, it's it's going to be not necessarily a deep rookie class, but there are a lot of promising picks in here that could have successful careers, and this is just the beginning. Like we're going to see another wave next year, the year after that, of like rookies making an impact, and it's going to be really, really great to see. I mean, from a Leafs standpoint, seeing Nick Robertson, you know, kind of just play one game and then, you know, get injured. That really hurts. That sucks. But at the same time, you know, we just hope that he's ready to come back. And when he does play, he could probably put his name back into the rookie consideration, you know, get a few points, be that, you know, tenacious forward with like a like a really accurate and heavy shot. Um, Yeah. I mean, this is a really good, this is a really good crop. And I I honestly, again, I just hope that Alexi Lafreniere does kind of pick up the play or like maybe even moves up to try and get something going. But uh, yeah, I mean, at this point right now, early on, I think you're looking at Carol Kaprasov as a Calder. Yeah, I, I, I am in complete agreement there with you. Um, Obviously, you know, seeing a guy like Robertson go down for the Leafs, you know, we'd like to see him kind of get back in the lineup as soon as possible um, and, and kind of get a chance and opportunity to play. But um, that, that one definitely stung for the Leafs. But yeah, I think uh, Kaprasov is kind of on the way to uh, being a, a strong Calder um, consideration for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned, I think, you know, if, if Minnesota decides to continue to go with Kakinen and Nett, I think that's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting play for them as well as well as uh you know washington seems to have a lot of faith in vanacek as well so i i I wouldn't write those guys off either but uh yeah it's just going to be an interesting class this year uh shesterkin in new york is also considered a rookie um so that's that's another guy that uh shouldn't be written off as either uh obviously new york's been off to a, a rough start and you know, we've seen that with uh, Lafreniere as well, who's, uh, you know, through two games or through four games, rather, only has five shots on goal and uh, minus two ratings. So, yeah, 
Um, you know, obviously we'd like to see more out of him, but, uh, you know, it, it takes time to get going and it's a different year for a lot of these players. They didn't have the same kind of training camp that they normally would. And, uh, it, it definitely plays with, with, uh, guys confidence. Yeah. And I, and I think the big name that stands out is Vanacek. I mean, we talked about him last week and I had, I'm pretty sure I, both of us had no idea who he was. And now all of a sudden he's you know, putting up really good numbers. And then again, he's got a really good Washington team in front of him. It's just, you know, you see all these players that not necessarily come out of nowhere, but, you know, they're not on a lot of people's radars. They don't expect them to make a big impact. But you know what? Washington put him in as a second goaltender behind Ilya Samsonov. And now look at them. They they know their prospects better than everybody because he's in their system. But yeah, they're seeing a lot of a lot of surprises, and we're, we're probably going to expect to see more at some point. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and uh, speaking of prospects and drafts, uh, Elliot Friedman spoke about uh, the 2021 draft and the 2022 draft, and the possibility that the 2021 draft be pushed back to the point where they'll have the 2021 draft, so late uh, late 2002, early 2003s. Um, one day, the following day, they're going to have the late 2003s, early 2004s drafted. So the possibility of having possibly, as I continue to say the same word over and over again, um, two drafts in two days, how interesting will that be? And how beneficial will that be for certain prospects that we're looking ahead to the 2021 draft? Yeah, um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. So 2021 drafts would be going first and then 2022 draft would be happening at a day later. Is that correct? That's that's my understanding of of what's uh, what's been reported. Yes. <sighs> I'm I, I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, because let's face it, you have OK, you have the 2021 draft. I mean, Limited viewings and video scouting may not be at the forefront for a lot of scouts because they like to do the whole in-arena thing. You want to get a sense of the atmosphere that they're playing in. I could understand, you know, so going with the 2021 draft, but the 2022 draft, I mean, you really don't have a lot to work with. I mean, let's face it. I think you could say that Shane Wright is probably going to be the most likely the consensus number one. Brad Lambert, a close and then um, Matt Savoy as a top three. I mean, you want to get a better understanding of all the prospects. So I think it may be best to try and just wait another year out, wait for the 22 draft, 2022 draft, see what the prospects can do, get a better understanding of that. I mean, granted, we're already keeping an eye on them, or even a lot of people in the scouting community are keeping like a lot of the prospects even for 2023. Um, you're getting a lot of footage, you're getting a lot of information on these prospects, probably could do it but i would probably wait a little bit longer to get a more sample size for 2022 yeah no i'm in the same book as you um i don't uh i don't like the idea of two drafts in two days um i i just i think you know spread it out a little bit Mm -hmm. i think you take away from the draftees in 20 the 2021 draft or quote unquote the 2021 draft uh if you if you follow that up with another draft the following the following uh day so now you're talking about two potential first overall picks in two days. I just, I mean, how do, how do you work that with with the standings and who's who's getting which pick and 
I, there's just too much going on there mm-hmm. um, that I think it takes away from the, the draft entirely. I, I, I think it'd be an absolute shit show to have two drafts in two days. And not only that, like, there's no clear-cut num- clear number one this year, right? So let's say Owen Power goes first, Clark two, Mappineers three, or Jesper Walsh at three. You have those three players. You go to a possibly a little bit of a stronger draft class in 2022 where you have Shane Wright, Brad Lambert, and Matt Savoie as one, two, three. They'll probably get more of a, more recognition because, you know, those three players have legit, not necessarily like star quality, but you have one possibly franchise player in Shane Wright right there. You have an offensive superstar in Brad Lambert and Savoie. That might outweigh the focus of the 2021 draft because those players are probably getting more recognition right now. So yeah, that's yeah, and that's kind of what I what I'm getting at too. With like, how do you how do you decipher who's going to get the number one pick each each day? Yeah. Um, do you go based off the standings of this year? Do you go based off the standings of next year? Like, it just for me, it doesn't really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I get what they're trying to do and give some of these players a little bit more time to to you know showcase what they've got. But at the end of the day, I think there's there's going to be way too much controversy if you do two drafts in two days. Um, and, and I, I understand, but I, I don't think it's something that, that could work. How open are you? Because, I, I mean, I think 2021, you have your regular, you know, standings in reverse order of who gets the first pick. You still do that. But for 2022, what if you have been to have, like, you know, a Sidney Crosby kind of draft where all teams have a chance and then that'll determine your positioning? Oh man, you're gonna piss off so many fans. If you do that. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. like, what happens? What happens if a team like Edmonton wins wins the lottery, or Pittsburgh oh, again God. wins the lottery? Like, yeah, I think I think you're 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 gonna cause too too many uh, too many issues with fans. Um, yeah, it's it would be an absolute massacre uh, on the NHL, um, especially now with with so, social media being as prevalent as it is. <laughs> Oh god, that, yeah. that would bring back so much backlash. I just think you're asking for trouble if that's the way you go. I will say this: if Toronto gets the first overall pick, I would not complain. Not because it's Toronto, but because we have only had one number one overall pick, and that was Austin Matthews. And in four years, we've been pretty consistent in moving away from that number one spot. So if we won the lottery to get Shane Wright, I'm all for it. A little biased, kind of, but not really. There you um, go. Little bias, but not necessarily a lot of bias. But hey, I mean, yeah, it it, it wouldn't it wouldn't quite be fair to just do a draft right away to set the standard or the standings for 2022 and then base all your picks off of that. And not only that, too, that's going to come into question. The amount of picks and conditional picks that you have that will give you a second rounder or a third rounder, or this pick and that pick, that could possibly come into question as well. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think there's just there's too many questions. I think they need to get the draft done. Um do one more year and, and hopefully by next year we're kind of back to normalcy around sports and, and we can kind of go from there. If they wanted to try and push the draft back again, I could understand that. But to have it so close to 2021, that's that's again, I I had like a massive five, 10 second pause right there because I'm trying to wrap my head around it and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it right now. I don't think it's going to work out as well as, you know, they think that it could, you know. No, I completely agree with you. Um, but yeah, I, I I think, you know, we talk about normalcy. We talk about trying to get back to 
how things used to be. Um, one team that was unable to do that this week, the Washington Capitals. Um, and quite the storyline here. Uh, obviously, four players were uh, were put on the COVID list, um, and those four players being Dmitry Orlov, Ilya Samsonov, um, Alex Ovechkin, and Evgeny uh, Kuznetsov. And I just... I get what they were doing, uh, hanging out in a hotel room, yeah. no mass. You know, we all want a little bit of normalcy in our lives. And these guys are around each other, you know, hugging each other, you know, stick taps, warm-ups, all that kind of stuff. They're practicing without mass. I get it. Yeah. But the understanding when this season got underway was that there was going to be protocols in place to protect players, coaching staff, management, Anybody they families, anybody they come in contact with, mm-hmm. and then to further this storyline, <clears throat> we get a tweet or 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 a message or whatever it was from Alex Ovechkin's wife, yeah, saying that Kuznetsov and Ovechkin have antibodies to the COVID nineteen virus, and I don't know if it was misinterpreted. I really don't. I I didn't speak to the source myself. Mm -hmm. But when the hell did she get her PhD? Yeah. Um, First off, I'm just going to start off. Samsonov tested positive. Um, Did not. uh, They received news of Samsonov's uh, positive test Tuesday night after the loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So that not only puts their team in jeopardy, but also the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, actually, Samsonov did not play Tuesday, immediately went into isolation following the coronavirus guidelines. And I'm reading an article by uh, Samantha Pell from the Washington Post. Samsonov was asymptomatic. And I understand, and I get it. Yeah, we want to go to some sort of normalcy. We all want to hang out, you know, and especially if you're a hockey player, too. You want to go to other people's rooms, chill, relax, do your thing. And then go back to your hotel room after. You can't do that. I mean, you really can't. I mean, I have no issue with them finding them a hundred thousand. Now you got to be. Now this puts a damper on them because now they got four players out of off their roster. That's you know going to impact their play in uh, on the standings too. Um, as for the, his wife's comments, I mean, who cares if you have antibodies? I mean, if you have antibodies, that's great. But the studies have shown that, like, the antibodies could dwindle after some time. There's no full immunity to it. This is why you got to keep everybody safe and follow the protocols no matter what. I mean, I mean, okay. We, again, people have said that they've had the antibodies, the covalescent plasma. And I don't want to get too much into science right now. But they said they've had the antibodies and it's still there. But some people, it doesn't last as long. You know what? Take the cautious approach. Do the right thing. Separate. I mean, no offense. Like, you couldn't do, like, a FaceTime chat if they all have iPhones. You couldn't do a FaceTime chat with all four of them and chat on your phone. Wear a mask. Yeah. Wear a mask. If you're going to the – if you're going to your teammate's room, wear a mask. That's – had they had they worn a mask, they would not be in this in this situation. situation. Yeah. That's all you need to do. It's they're not saying you guys can't hang out together. They're yeah. saying wear a mask. And 
and that's that's what gets me is there's there's so much simplicity here mm-hmm. and all they are asking is that you follow protocol during the season make sure that you take every safety precaution so that the season can run so that you get paid your team gets paid you guys can play your or or, or have your career that you're having yeah i mean i from a selfish standpoint i look at a guy like ovechkin who could potentially if he plays well and long enough could break Wayne Gretzky's all-time goal record yeah and now you're sitting out of the lineup because you couldn't put a mask on Mm -hmm. you wear a goddamn mask for a living yeah and I just want to I just want to point out I it may seem like I slammed my hand on the desk, though I accidentally was trying to move my hand away from my desk and actually hit it. So I wasn't doing that in anger or frustration or anything. It was just me being a klutz. But, um, yeah. And Ovi, in the same article, posted out a uh, statement saying that I regret my choice to spend time together with my teammates in our hotel room and away from the locker room areas. I will learn from this experience. Great. But you know what? You already learned from this experience in the bubble previously. You know what to expect. You know what was going to be expected from not only the team, but the league. You did this literally three, four months ago. And he's the captain of this team. He's the leader. He should lead by example, and he should know better. I mean, what does that say to everybody else? Don't yeah. do what Ovi did. And and I think this should get more recognition because he is the captain that was involved. I mean, I'm just going to throw John Tavares out there. What if he did this? Right? Yeah, he should no, come absolutely. under scrutiny as well. Shea Weber, absolutely. every other captain, whoever broke the protocol should come under more scrutiny because you have the C on your chest. You're the leader of this team. People look up to you or look to you for you know all that the leadership qualities that you should possess and that's what's really you know irritating me right now because he should have known better he shouldn't have to come out with a statement like this saying i will learn from this experience every other team did well not necessarily every other team but the teams that qualified for the playoffs did it and those that went longer had to deal with it longer and they still managed to get through it yeah if you haven't Look, if you haven't learned in the last year from what's going on that you you, you have to follow protocol, mm-hmm. then what are you going to learn from this experience? The fact yeah. that your team got fined a hundred grand and 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 you you have to sit out a few games. I mean, it, I just, I don't know. I just I don't really get it. I don't get it. I don't get why you know people just can't follow protocols, especially when you know, you're, you're a professional athlete. Like it, it, it's not that hard. It's not that hard. Put on a mask, sit there, have, have a conversation. Um, you have, you have curfew as it is on game nights anyway. Yeah. Um, just get the job done, get the job done and we can all go back to normal. So you can have fans in the stands, players around you can make more money because the, the, the cap will go up. There's so many things that come from this stupidity that I just don't understand. And and I just felt like like that that response from his wife was just like like you said, who cares? Who yeah. cares if he has antibodies? People around him might not. And if mm-hmm. he even if he picks up like the the virus and, and doesn't get sick himself, the fact that he can transmit it carrier 
is is yeah. like use logic. It's not it's not I'm not a science major. I I went to school for writing. Okay? Yeah. I'm not I'm not a science major, but even I know it's 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 simple. It's simple. Mm-hmm. Just figure it out. And I'm just going to throw something else out there. I mean, yeah, you can look at all the other players that, you know, con- that tested positive for COVID before the season started, even at times right now. So we don't know the situation of how they contracted it. This, we know that they were in a hotel room. They were purposely, they purposely went out and broke the rules. We don't know what happened with the other players, even with the Dallas Stars, where they had a quarantine at the beginning and had to miss a week and a half of the season. We don't know fully how something like that happens. You could be following the rules, wearing a mask, let your guard down for a split second, and then possibly contract it. That's that's a tricky thing with this virus. Even if you're following everything right, you could still get tested positive. And that's where, you know, there's a difference between trying to follow the rules and getting it out of a fluke chance and then doing what the Capitals did, knowing the rules and purposely went on and breaking them. I'm just saying, like, yeah, yeah. Two sides to every argument, but one outweighs the other. Yeah, I know, without question. And uh, what I'm more interested about in this situation is uh, whether or not Tony D'Angelo's burner account had anything to say about it. Oh, my God. That, that honestly, that was... (laughs) Man, this was a crazy week, especially yesterday. Yesterday was a crazy day. I'm not going to lie. But yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it just <sighs> question marks. Yeah, I don't everything. even know what to say about it. I don't even yeah. know what to say about it because <laughs> I came into it late. Like I wasn't, I wasn't surfing Twitter Same. the whole day, so I didn't really know what was going on. And then I Same. heard the, these rumblings about a possible Tony D'Angelo burner account. We all know that he took a lot of criticism for his his su- political support in the in the in the states. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just man. You gotta know that social media these days, anything can get figured out. So even if yep. it's not him, the fact that somebody started an account to throw support in Tony D'Angelo's direction, um, man, it's just like I, I can't even wrap my head around it. Yeah, I can't remember the like. I know that there are a few other times too where there are like sports teams, managers, everything creating burner accounts to try and get favor in support of favor stuff like that. I think Brian, be a Brian Colangelo. There Brian we go. Colangelo. Like there we go. I knew it. I knew it. I, I knew it that it had that there was a Toronto connection because I remember at one point Brian uh, Brian Colangelo's burner accounts and stuff like that. I I knew it. You thank you. Thank and you. Because like, I think that one came out that it was like his wife or something like it, it yeah. regardless, it doesn't matter. He was, he was just ripping on his current players on his team. Yeah. And it was like, it just, and the worst part is, is like whether this account is, is D'Angelo or not. Um, the fact that he just put like New York Rangers fan nine, three, zero, four, whatever it was. That's suspicious. Like, Man, anytime you throw like seven numbers after something, you're trying to make it look like a fake account. <laughs> like yeah, just... you're better. You're better off with just having the egg profile and then something generic as a handle. But yeah, I mean, exactly. We need to we need to have a Sports Center top ten burner accounts or something like that. Yeah, let's would... uh, let's call our our, our good uh, good buddy Mark Masters up and see if they can put one together. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, I I mean, I don't really have much to say about this because obviously yeah. like we don't know for sure, but 
I just, man, so many questions, so many questions, and I, I want answers, but I don't think I'm going to get them at this point. And even this morning, too, people are still talking about it. And that's yeah. the crazy thing. And like you, you know what? I, I whatever it to be on to me, that's just a little bit childish. Yeah, that's I'm just going to end it at that. Like, let's see if we can get Larry Brooks on the show and see if uh, he has something to say about it. Maybe he can ask Tony for us. Uh, oh, my God. What, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> That's enough, Brooksy. Let's uh, let's move on. Anyways, um, back to hockey. Back to hockey. Uh, <laughs> we mentioned it earlier. There was a big trade uh, this week that uh, we definitely have to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, Pierre Luc Dubois traded to the Winnipeg Jets along with a 2022 third round pick for Patrick Laine and Jack Roslovich. The crazy part about this trade is that all three players had requested trades at some point over the last year. Mm-hmm. Line A and I mean, obviously it's nice for Roslovich. Uh, he played for the, uh, he played in the uh, Columbus area, the Ohio area um, earlier in his, uh, his youth career. Um, but guy, so Pierre-Luc Dubois and Patrick Line A, both requested trades because they wanted to play in bigger markets. Okay. Yeah. Line A is now traded to basically the Winnipeg of Ohio. Yeah. And Dubois is traded to the Columbus of of the Canadian teams. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt Larkin from the Hockey News brought up a great point. What are the chances that? You know, within the year, we see both of these players, or within the next year or two, we see both of these players traded again because they want to play in bigger markets. Yeah. I saw that. I mean, it's it's great that they, like, you know, I'm pretty sure that they just did it just to get it over with. And great, but at the same time right now, you gave up assets that they're probably not even going to possibly sign long term. Although I did see on the score that the win, um, the Columbus Blue Jackets and Patrick Laine were in talks of a deal, um, but nothing set in stone. And I believe that was like a couple hours ago, like when the trade made, yeah, discussed contract extension. Whether it happens or not, we don't know. But another hockey writer's um, uh, staff writer came up with another option. Or another question, Ryan Kennedy, who we had on the show, who's going to get Patrick Laine the puck in Columbus? Jackets thin down the middle right now. Pierre-Luc Dubois could have been that guy. So you gave up a positional strength to get another positional strength or like area of need that you wanted. You, they wanted more goals. I understand that. But at the same time right now, he brings up a really good point. You have no viable center option. Max Domi, Miko Koivu. I mean, this is kind of the same thing going back to when, you know, when at least got Phil Kessel. Who's going to give him the puck? Although he was driving his own line, he was getting 60, 80 points regularly on a consistent basis with the least, even without a really strong centerman. You're in that similar situation right now. And, you know, it's 
so many questions need to be answered because yeah, Winnipeg got that, you know, a really viable second C option that could possibly play up on the wing. It's most likely going to be C um, was moved for a sniper and Columbus needed more goal scoring. Although, you know, how that's going to play out. We don't know is, and that's why we're, we're going to get Mark uh, shag on next week. Spoiler alert to process, to discuss this, but what's going to be the impact long-term for this is, it's going to work out now, but what's going to happen when both need new contracts and Lana is an RFA at the end of this year. And not only that, this reminds me similar to the Ryan Johansson and Seth Jones deal. No one expected this to happen. Seth Jones was already coming in, making an impact for, a name for himself. And Ryan Johansson was, you know, a really good center option. Nothing was going right for Johansson there. They moved and swapped. Seth Jones still being Seth Jones. Ryan Johansson still seemed to be on the decline. Move an asset for an area of need. But I don't know. This is just another instance where, you know, you lose another star player if you're the Columbus Blue Jackets. But you still get another star player in return and another good option in Jack Roslevic, who has a lot of potential. So if we're trying to play who won this, I... I don't know. I want to say the edge to Columbus because we know how well Patrick Lina can shoot the puck and you got an extra body in with Jack Roslovic, who we, like I said, he has great potential to be, you know, a middle six forward, get the time that he deserves. But yeah, this is just a really, really interesting situation. That's just going to like, there are more questions than answers that we need right now. Yeah, no, I think uh, my biggest question is, um, line A obviously is is a, a a phenomenal scorer has a great shot from all all over the offensive zone. My biggest thing is away from the puck, he's not the strongest player. Um, Absolutely, doesn't yeah. get really involved physically, uh, doesn't engage maybe as, as well as he he should. And on a team coached by John Tortorella, is that going to fly? And, and and that's where I, I'm I'm wondering like this could this could go south really fast for the Columbus Blue Jackets if Liney comes in there maybe he signs a big ticket, um, but all of a sudden he's playing for John Tortorella whose whose expectations exceed what Liney is able to do on the ice. Mm-hmm. I think you're looking at at a player that could lose his confidence very quickly and and it could be another Winnipeg situation where, you know he's just not playing to to the ability that he had as a second overall pick. Um, but I, again, you mentioned that there are far more questions than answers. Um, at the end of the day, it's, you kind of got to wait and see where this, where this goes for both players. I think Dubois is going to have a great opportunity in Winnipeg. Oh yeah. Um, you know, with guys like Shifley and Connor and, and Ehlers and there's, there's a lot of potential there in Winnipeg. I think a guy like uh, Line A in Columbus, he's going to have to find a way to carry his line. Uh, and, yeah. and doing that, he's going to have to maybe play a little bit more with the intangibles and, and not just be strictly a goal scorer. So um, that'll be interesting to watch. And, and like you said, we ha- we've got Mark coming on uh, next episode, and um, he'll obviously you know talk with us about – about the fallout of this trade and, and what it means for the Blue Jackets and uh, from their standpoint. Um, but, uh, yeah, I look forward to that conversation because, I, like I said, I've got a lot more questions than answers right now, and I, I don't know where this is going to go. Can I, And everyone's been dying for this to happen. Can we agree that 
the relationship between Torts and Line is going to be under a microscope right now, considering you know, like you know what Torts has said in the past about Dubois, and now uh, not necessarily defensively reliable player coming back in Patrick Line. How awesome are these sound clips or sound bites going to be? Because you know Torts is good for like a a couple good sound bites here and there. I was going to say, you want sound bites this season? You're going to get sound bites this season. There's no question. I'm, I'm going to look forward to that. But, yeah, I mean, kidding aside, I mean, you, I'm still trying to figure out, like, who got the upper hand in this deal. Because I don't, I don't expect Dubois maybe to sign long-term in Winnipeg because they got some holes on the fence that maybe they want to try and fill out. And maybe at the at the end of this uh, second deal, maybe they don't send him a qualifying offer or resign him as an RFA. Um, but he would probably be in a better position to succeed than he would be in Columbus right now. So he has that going for him. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they got the I think Winnipeg got the better all around player. That said, if Jack Roslovich can turn into, you know, what what kind of was seen as his potential when he was mm-hmm. first drafted. I mean, Columbus has got two pretty decent players as well. And, and Line, if he can, you know, buy in and, and play the game that Torts kind of preaches, um, yeah, it could it could turn out to be an interesting deal when we look back on it, even even in a year's time. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving on to Toronto news. Um, Obviously, we'll we'll jump to the Leafs in a second, but the Toronto Six, the NWHL yes. is underway in their bubble in Lake Placid, and the Toronto Six have debuted as the sixth team in the NWHL. Um, for those listening, obviously, you can tune into these games on Twitch. Um, great opportunity to see some women's hockey, to see the sport grow. Um, we've talked about in the past, the NWHL is on the rise and it's exciting for, for hockey fans. It's exciting for women's hockey. Um, it's good hockey. If you watch the game, um, I can't remember exactly which player it was, but absolutely laid out another player. Um, it was, it was just, it was, it was a fun hockey game to watch. And if you, if you're, if you're a hockey fan, you should enjoy this, this, uh, this time because, you're getting an opportunity to see the women's game showcased on an international level. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a league that will continue to grow and hopefully with their partnerships will continue to build. That said, the Toronto six, not the greatest start um, lost three, nothing in their, in their season debut, their, their inaugural game. Um, but yeah, just an all around exciting game. Um, I think it was uh, great for the league, and like I said, great for the sport. Definitely, and I think at one point they had, I think, 6,600 views on Twitch at one point. So they were getting the audience. They were getting the audience, and if that serves as any indication right now, continue to support them. Continue to get those numbers up into, like, the tens, 15,000. Watch, 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 watch. This is exciting hockey no matter what. And you could see online the reaction from the fan base, how in tune with it. It was just like they were watching an actual NHL game. The impact, the pace, the intensity, it was all there. And you know what? This is really great. 
this is a great step forward for women's hockey in in general. And obviously not the result that we wanted. You know, we wanted we wanted uh, we wanted a W in the for the first game. But you know what? They're I mean, I, I don't know how to put this. They're they're setting their mark right now. They are there for a purpose. They want to play their best. And I'm pretty sure we're going to get more of that as, you know, the tournament progresses on. Yeah, and some quick shout-outs to some of the uh, Toronto Six players. Uh, Brianne Wilson-Bennett uh, went 7-2 and two in the face-off circle. So did uh, Michaela Grant-Mentis. She also went 7-2. and two. Um, She also put up a team-high nine shots on goal. Just incredible hockey. Blocked a shot. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it, it's going to be fun to watch and see this grow. Uh, Cheyenne Darkangelo uh, went 15 and four in the uh, the faceoff circle. So, man, it's uh, you know, and and really, it, Elaine Chuli only gave up two goals on 18 shots uh, mm-hmm. in in her first start, obviously with the Toronto Six. So it'll be fun to watch as this team grows, as it c- continues to build, and, and hopefully, you know, we're talking about this a lot more down the road uh, with this Isabel Cup uh, going in Lake Placid. Yeah. And you know what? I'm like, like I'm looking at the stats too right now. Nine shots on goal, five shot uh, for Grant Mentis, five for Emma Woods. So they got players who can shoot. I guess maybe you know they just got it. They just ran into a hot goaltender. Like you know she was on her game. She was you know in the zone. And you know despite a shutout loss, only two goals against. It's a pretty good you know. Pretty good result, not the one you wanted, but something to look forward to going forward and to, and using that to your advantage, saying that hey, you know what, we're we're in this, we can do it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, jumping over to our other Toronto team, the Leafs had a two-game series with the Edmonton Oilers uh, this past week. Um, escaped with a one-and-one record, but in doing so, had a fair amount of players kind of kind of missing in in action so we'll talk about joe thornton we'll talk about austin matthews matthews missed one game with uh what appeared to be upper body soreness um that's a new one for all of us uh joe thornton will miss a month with a rib fracture that's not great uh gonna have to retire that jersey for a little while yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously escaping with the the win the other night, uh, they were able to to get out of there and uh, you know split the split the series one and one. Um, Toronto still looking for a little bit more consistency, but uh, what were your what were your takeaways from the Leafs and Oilers? Um, I just came out with an article that they're being too patient with the puck in their six games so far. Yeah, they're four and two and. You saw that in both games with the Edmonton Oilers. Um, it looked like the first game, they were the more dominant team. Again, passes not connecting at points, just throwing it to open areas. It's it's something that they need to work on. And again, and I know we've mentioned this quite a bit, no training camps, um, not no preseason games to fully get acclimated with your new teammates and build that chemistry. Shorter time. And I'm just thinking that, you know what, maybe it could, this is something that could change. They managed to claw their way back. I know they had a slow start in the second game against the Oilers, but 
they showed that, you know, yeah, we saw a tale of two teams, but they showed that they could play defensively responsible hockey. And I think that's where, you know, uh, I, uh, and in my article, I mentioned that Chris Ferry, our other fellow Maple Leafs writer, posted out a tweet that, you know, the offense is that the Maple Leafs of full on offense and no defense is turning into no offense and full on defense. So it's great you're getting that defensive side, but at the same time, you really can't, you need to find that balance of playing well defensively and being quick in transition to get that offensive zone time and being able to connect on your passes and on your shots. So that was the main thing that I noticed that we're seeing two different teams, dominant, dominant teams, dominant Leafs teams, and then not so dominant Leafs teams where, you know, you starting to see the old habits starting to creep in. And that's just the one thing that they need to be better at. I mean, yeah, positionally and defensively, it's all good. Just the passing and the puck management and uh, decision-making with it. That's just the one thing that needs to get get better. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think uh, the passing has been one of the most noticeable things for me. Um, just not crisp. They're not accepting passes mm-hmm. well. Uh, it seems very choppy. Like, their entire game just seems very choppy right now. Um, the one thing that seems to be clicking is, is their, their power play. Um, and even then I, I saw it having more success than what it has had. Um, I think they need to get a little bit more secondary scoring, um, at this point in time. Um, but yeah, that said, you know, we're, we're six games in, there was a lot of changes in the lineup. Yeah. I think we need to take away some of the positives, the, I, like you said, I, I just really want to see the breakout and the passing become more crisp. That's the reason you brought in guys like uh, TJ Brody. Um, that's the reason you brought in guys like Bogosian to have that more defensive presence. Um, I think Brody's been phenomenal on the back end. I think he's made some key defensive plays that have, have uh, broken up some some rushes. Um, Bogosian, I'm still on the fence with. Miko Lettinen got in for a couple games. He seems a little nervous. Um, but that said, uh, you know, obviously they've got to find a way to, to, to better that transition game, uh, if they're going to, if they're going to find a way to, to continually put together wins. And, uh, yeah, I, that, that's what I've taken away so far through, through their six games. Um, I think it's there, uh, they've got, they've got what they need to, to, to make this, make a good run this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that there's going to be uh, there's a few fixes that need to happen before they they get that consistency that they're looking for. But obviously, it's hard to have consistency when you have guys like Joe Thornton go down. You have guys like Austin Matthews missing a game. Um, part of me part of me thinks Matthews just wanted to miss a game so he could dress up and look phenomenal up in the uh, up in the uh, the press box there. What a what an absolute man rocket! But uh, sharply dressed, yeah, like yeah. man. He knows his suits. I was gonna say he should start selling those masks too. I I wouldn't mind buying one of those, but oh man, um, he, if he starts his old fashioned line, I'm buying stuff right away. I'm just gonna put it out there right now. Absolutely, absolutely. A <laughs> A M for your your day dress and P M for your uh, for your night dress, right? Literally A M for the morning. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, missing key guys like that uh, definitely hurts the lineup. Obviously, yeah. we mentioned Robertson earlier in the, the podcast, but, uh, 
you know, you want to see consistency in your lineup, which can drive consistency overall. Um, that said, you can't talk about the Leafs without talking about the fact that Mitch Marner is second in NHL scoring right now with eight points in six games, four yeah. goals, four assists. We talked about his scoring ability over multiple episodes so far. William Nylander is also top 10 with seven points through six games. Um, definitely, definitely guys that we want to see continue this trend. On top of that, you know, you, you've kind of mentioned Tavares and, and his ability to, to possibly have a bounce back year. He's got seven points in six games, four goals as well, um, which is, is great to see. Um, and on top of that, Justin Hall. Justin Hall has been a key player for them so far this year. Um, he's come up with some uh, some big plays. Uh, you know, we talked about earlier in the year whether he was even going to be in the Leafs lineup, and here he is making some uh, yeah. some key stops and, and being able to kind of transition that game. And um, he's been a big surprise for us at 28 years old. He has four assists in six games, and you know he's seeing over 20 minutes a game at this point uh, for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I'm eating my words right now about, you know, possibly even trading Justin Hall at this point. I mean, can't say anything bad about the way that he's playing right now. I mean, we're, he's playing better than Jake Muzzin, and I think he's carrying Jake Muzzin right now because he's been very un... He hasn't been playing the way that I want Jake Muzzin to play right now. A couple of, like, miscues careless penalties, bad positioning and stuff like that. But Justin Hall has been really solid. I mean, you look at his possession numbers, 62.57% Corsi four whenever he's on the ice. So you can rest assured that this, the team is getting their chances and he's being a big part of that. Goals for percentage, 57.14 becoming an impact there. Expected goals for percentage, 64.81. He's really elevating his play right now. And, I'm not a big fan of him when he skates the puck up or if he if there's a rush and he joins in. A couple of times he just didn't seem comfortable when he had the puck. He didn't know what to do with it. But outside of that, he does everything well. And I'm absolutely happy that he's still here. And I'm going to say this. I was wrong about Justin Hall. Um, playing phenomenal right now. And... Yeah, he, the, the, he's settling in like a top four D-man right now. And he's, I don't think he's going to slow down. He's been very consistent. And in regards to John Tavares, I mean, you notice something was off with him last year. He wasn't John Tavares. This wasn't the same guy that put up, you know, the 40 goals that he did the, the year before. And Kristen Shilton recently, about a few days ago, came out with a tweet where uh, she uh, was talking to John Tavares using the lengthy offseason to his advantage. And he said, uh, according to her, had the ability to kind of slow things down and rest up and really get healthy and feel good about being able to kind of start from scratch and build myself back up. He, She even mentioned that the oblique injury that he suffered um, plagued him for quite some time. That oblique injury was he suffered was at the end of the 2018-19 season where he was about to go and play for Team Canada at the World Hockey Championships. A little over a year, he's been dealing with that un- injury. Plus, he, I believe he had also had a broken finger um, to start the season last year. 
now that he's recovered from not just a broken finger, but that oblique injury that really put a damper on him and it kind of showed that something wasn't quite right. We're seeing a 100% healthy JT and this is what they needed from him right now. And he's back to the way that he was when they signed him to that massive contract. He's looking at like 2018 John Tavares right now. He's got his speed. He's got the net front presence. He's got the looks. And he's even getting a bit of like an angry edge to him. And I'm loving that right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and I think we've seen it with Tavares. We've seen it with uh, Matthews. There's a little bit more of a mean streak with them. And maybe that helps having guys like Simmons and and you know, even big Joe in the, uh, in the lineup, you know, they, mm-hmm. they get a little bit more confident in what they can do. And for guys of their size, it's, it's not a bad thing to have that little bit of a mean streak in you. It's, it's making sure that you do so, you know, kind of without stepping over that line. And, and they, both of them have done a great job so far this season of doing that. And, uh, I think it's much needed if you're going to, if you're going to have a long, uh, long run in the, in the playoffs. For sure. And even when like, you know, they're down and you know things aren't really going their way or you know it's just not looking right jt is there and he's fighting to get the team going he's proven to be a major difference maker right now there's that game against auto where you know they looked really flat-footed and he scored that power play goal and you know team was looked like they were lifeless and he jolted a like shot of energy into them so the fact that he's coming up at certain points when they need him is really great. And I'm all here for that because we talked about the intensity. We had talked about them being harder to play against. Jane Tavares is playing with that mindset. And as the captain leads by example, everyone should be following his footsteps right now. And like you said, Thornton and Simmons probably play a factor in that. And maybe right now he's, probably be i would hope is probably more vocal in the room right now getting them all motivated getting them all riled up um that's his job and i think that excuse me um he's going to continue to that trend right now yeah no absolutely and um i think uh you know i you mentioned earlier that you got to kind of eat your words on a guy like justin hall i gotta eat my words a little bit on a guy like frederick anderson um he's again he had a little bit of a rough start to the season yeah his save percentage is still under 900 but that's slowly creeping back up um but here's a guy who with his third win of the of the year um he's played five of the six games third one of the year he passes um curtis joseph on the franchise's list for uh for wins yeah um and and what a what a feat especially for like you're talking about a guy who has been so fondly remembered as a Maple Leafs goaltender and Curtis Joseph. Um, I, I just think it's, it's, it's a great feat for him and hopefully he uses that and kind of builds that confidence off of that. But uh, yeah, just a, a great, uh, great spot for him. And as I mentioned that, that goals against or that save percentage is slowly creeping up. That goals against is slowly creeping down 281 it's not horrible but it's not where he needs to be again if this team wants to continue to push it through uh and into a long playoff run i would say this the fact that they're mitigating the chances or shots on goal to make it easier for freddie i think is playing a factor in here because we've seen how well he plays when he's on his game and he's busy he's stopping shots left right and center the fact that that workload or the fact that the he has a defense in front of him right now 
think is playing a bit of a uh, playing a bit of a part to that as well. Um, but yeah, ever since that Ottawa, Ottawa game, uh, where I don't he, like I, the first game against Montreal, nerves, getting back into it, five four, close game. I'm, I'm going to throw that game out the window. Yeah, he didn't look sharp, but that Ottawa game, it did not look great. And I thought that maybe we would see more of Jack Campbell from here on out. When they said, don't even dress, take the day off. And it was him and Dell as the one, t- as uh, the one, two Campbell and Dell. I thought, okay, maybe this is what he needed. Maybe he needed to just step back, regroup, get things focused. And it worked. I mean, we're seeing a more consistent Freddie. We're seeing him bail his, I mean, we're seeing him bail his uh, teammates out, but it's like one and done chances and it's done. And again, the mix of having a capable defense in front of him with having a player like TJ Brody. And I'm going to say this, this was the last game uh, against the Oilers was probably the best game I've seen Zach Bogosian played. Yeah. Uh, him and Travis Dermott were nasty in front of the net and that's the kind of grid that we want to get out and you know clear that garbage in front of the net right you don't want anybody to come in and get to get to the high danger areas they're standing tall and even travis dermott i'm loving that pairing right now yeah i'm still not sold on bogosian and his you know offensive capabilities even when he's trying to rush the puck up i get a little bit nervous but when he knows how to clear the puck out and he knows how to break out he's a reliable defender and he's showing that right now. And I think again, time, um, I know we hate to nitpick early on, but you know what? We wouldn't be doing our jobs if we didn't try and clarify some of the issues that's plaguing them early on. Maybe they could, they're starting to fix that right now. And I think that again, with Freddie, the defense in front of them, it's going to, it should continue to go in the right direction right now. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and I think um, I think the defense. Obviously, he's used to being a bit of a busier goaltender. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen it over the years. He averages like thirty shots against per game, and right now you're kind of mid twenties. Um, again, they're still giving up some pretty high dangerous chances, and I I think that plays a role as well. But um, you know, going off of your your what you said about Bogosian, um, I think he's got to focus on being that stay at home defenseman. Uh, especially being paired with a guy like Dermot, who likes to likes to add to the puck rush and 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 try and get the puck up. That said, uh, you know Bogosian, I was critical of him the first game where he took two minor penalties. He hasn't had a penalty since, um, and I think that's a big thing for me yeah. is for him to stay out of the box. The only way he's going to be successful in a Toronto uniform is to stay out of the box and play the role of of being that gritty hard to play against defensemen. And if he can do that, um, you know, I don't think he's going to get as much flack. I mean, that said, he's a defenseman in, in a Toronto Maple Leafs uniform. And we all know that, you know, Leafs nation loves to rag on, on, on defensemen year in and year out. Uh, yeah. Just, ask, just ask Jake Gardner. Yep. But, uh, Tyson Berry, Tyson Berry, Aki Berg, you know, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, but that said, I think he can be a, a, a strong defender, and I think that's what the Leafs brought him in for. Um, mm-hmm. And he's he's got that he's got that Stanley Cup experience, and and that's what they need. And uh, look, we're we're six games in. The reason we're so critical right now is because it's a fifty-six game season. 
You're playing yeah. all division games. We talked about it before, and it'll be something we probably talk about all season long. But your your 56 games, each and every one of them counts. Um, you've got to be top three in the division. And with every game being a divisional game, every game is so important. So to, to be sit back and say, oh, you know, it's still early – that's not good enough, and it, and it won't get you anywhere in, in a shortened season like this. So it'll be interesting to see where the Leafs go. Um, I think, obviously, getting Matthews back in the lineup, uh, you're down to three weeks more for Robertson, thereabouts. Uh, mm-hmm. You're down to about three and a half weeks more for Thornton. Uh, obviously, it'll be nice to get them back in the lineup. Um, but uh, for, for right now, this is the opportunity for guys like Adam Brooks and, and Pierre Engvall and, and those young guys to get back in the lineup and get a taste of the NHL action and try and, you know, showcase why they should be with the big club for the 2020-21 season. Definitely. Yeah. Every game matters. Every point matters. And, you know, it's going to be that more magnified. I mean, right now, if it was an 82-game season, 4-2, four and two, we wouldn't really be complaining about this with the Maple Leafs. Because you cut those games, you know, down – yeah, we we have a right to try and not necessarily nitpick, but try and analyze and be like, you know what, this needs a change. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I think, you know, hopefully once we get, like, as I mentioned, hopefully once we get consistency with the lineup, we'll see a little bit more consistency with uh, the overall play. Um, jumping back to Anderson for a quick second, he's now fourth all-time in wins for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He sits only behind Turk Broda, Johnny Bauer, and Felix Potvin. Um, and taking a wild guess that he's probably not going to catch Bauer and Broda anytime soon, seeing as they're both over 200 wins. The next on the list is Felix Potvin at 160. Frederick Anderson has 139 wins in the Leafs uniform. So it's possible. It's possible that he could do it this year. Unlikely, but the possibility is there. You know what? Now I want to try and you. Now I want him to resign and have him be the all-time win leader, possibly, because that's you're now in some great company right now, and I you just want to root for him, man. Like he tries hard every single game, and now the fact that he's closing in on the top three spot, let's do it. I'm all for it right now. Also worth noting, he's the only international goaltender in the top 13 for wins all time by a Leaf. Every other every other Leaf up to 13th overall um, is a Canadian goaltender. The next international goalie with on the top list for the Leafs, Vesa Toskala with 62. Yeah, and that's uh, that's way back in 14th. There's a there's a name that many Leaf fans would like to forget. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to jump in and ask you a question. Absolutely. Because this was on uh, Saturday headlines yesterday uh, during the Montreal game. Obviously, we talked about Joe Thornton, Matthews, and Nick Robertson's injury right now. Elliot Freeman reported that the Leafs are still looking around for an additional forward. And now, given the fact that, you know, they still don't have the depth scoring that they would like from players like Simmons, VC, 
and a couple of others. Even Ilya Mikheyev hasn't really been that great production-wise. I'm just trying to think right now, who would be a viable option that they can make a trade, low contract, to come in, produce, and be a forward that maybe they would like to have instead of possibly playing a Jimmy VC or Wayne Simmons if the production isn't there. That's a, you know what? That's a very good question. Um, I Patrick think, Line. Yeah. I mean, that, that would have been, that been <laughs> nice. Uh, had, had they been able to afford that? Um, that said, you know, I think, I think you're probably looking more down the list at guys like, uh, I, to be honest, I don't even, you can't bring in much. That's the problem is yeah. right now the Leafs are so tight against the cap that to bring in guys, it's going to, it's going to cost you. Um, but could you bring in a guy like, uh, you know, maybe, maybe an Ivan Barbashev out of St. Louis. Uh, he's going to be an RFA. Um, I, I, Andreas Athanasiu out of the LA Kings. Um, again, a guy that's going to be an RFA. I think there's just, there's a lot of opportunity for guys that are low end, uh, cap hits, but again, you're going to be looking for somebody under the million dollar mark, because once you get guys like Thornton back and stuff like that, like you're, you're already right up against the cap. Um, yeah. To to bring in to bring in somebody, you'd have to trade a guy like Alex Kerfoot. You'd probably have to trade a guy like Jimmy VC. Um, man, that, that, that's a good question. That's tough. That's tough. That being said, like a guy like VC still only making you know nine hundred k. So for for him to for you to trade him, you're not you're not even bringing in much. Um, it is. Is there a possibility that maybe you make a divisional trade with the for a guy like Ryan Poling out of Montreal? You know, young young guy RFA at the end of his his uh, contract. You know, there's there's a possibility for something like that. But again, you're probably looking for more of a veteran guy that can maybe be, you know, a a a presence in the lineup but in the locker room as well that can kind of get these guys going because realistically aside from your top two lines you're not seeing much production yeah um you know vc's got a couple goals you mentioned it mckay hasn't really done much this year uh he's been kind of i hate to say it but i haven't really noticed much of him Mm -hmm. um you know maybe you maybe you look at a guy like fabry in detroit um you know, he's a guy that has the potential to be a big time player. He's smaller, but he's he's got the skill level. Um, I yeah, I, I don't know. That's a good question. That's a good question. You'd have to see who's available around the league, and I I don't think a lot of teams are budging right now because of of cap situations. And not only that too, like I know you mentioned St. Louis Blue Ivan Barbashev. Um, I'm thinking someone else on the blues roster i'm also thinking oscar sunkfist could be that kind of player that could intrigue them obviously 2.75 cap hit way too high for their for their liking if they're able to retain salary at some point great i don't know but also too i don't 
trade partners might be very limited right now, especially if you're the Maple Leafs where you're already dealing with injuries. Saint, uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets and Winnipeg could afford to make that deal and then have the players do their 14-day quarantine. I think they would want to try and trade someone within their division. I know you brought up Ryan Paling. Um, could look out to Calgary. I know they got some probably good depth options. Um, yeah, I think I think they go within the division. If they do go outside, great. But I don't know, given the fact that they're already short players, they wanted someone that could come into the lineup. And if it's someone in their division, you could try and lower that quarantine process to maybe down like maybe seven days and then try and get them in as soon as possible. But I don't know. I mean, let me is- let me throw one more name, one more name okay. that uh, is is very intriguing. Obviously would have to quarantine, but would add some significant depth scoring. Um, at a million dollar cap hit, Bobby Ryan. Ooh, he is on fire right now. And you know, and you know, Detroit, I mean, Detroit's not a playoff team right now. They're still rebuilding. They're still rebuilding. You can offer them assets, a guy like Adam Brooks, maybe a second round pick. Um, maybe, maybe you offer them a guy like Pierre Engvall, um, the possibilities there are endless in terms of what you can offer them in return. And it's a team that, you know, is, is still looking to add some youth to their, to their pipeline. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's a guy that, you know, has a lot to prove on a one year, $1 million contract. Um, You know, it's a guy that's definitely intriguing. A guy that's definitely intriguing. He's 33 years old, um, has the ability to be an offensive threat, I mean, it, it's I wouldn't I wouldn't throw it past them to have that name in their in their sight lines. Goal per game player right now, four goals in four games. Um, yeah, honestly, Detroit's pretty close to Ontario. Just across the border, you're already there. Um, but no, yeah, though the the quarantine thing is still probably going to happen. But at that cap hit, yeah. Uh, that is really intriguing. That is that is a very interesting uh, like option right now, and I would be all for that. He could score. He still got the space. He could still keep up with someone like you know, even if he is on the third line, or you know what, even if you put him up on the second line, how awesome would Ryan Tavares and Nylander be? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the potential is there. Like that's that's what I mean. Like he's a guy that would definitely. Definitely add a lot to the uh, to the to the lineup, and uh, yeah, I mean it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they're able to do. But um, obviously, we're recording on Sunday morning. Um, yes. As as such, some quick news about the Leafs as well. Jason Spezza was sent back to the taxi squad uh, just over 13 hours ago. Nobody um, panic. Nobody panic. He likely <laughs> will be back up in the lineup. This is a move just to get uh, some cap. And Travis Boyd obviously uh, will be joining the uh, will be joining the Leafs lineup for the uh, Western Con- or the Western um, Western okay. Swing as well of this uh, this road trip. Um, on top of that, some sad news just coming across the wire as well. Um, Toronto Maple Leafs legend George Armstrong. Uh, passed away uh, 
And uh, obviously, you know, we extend our condolences along with the Maple Leafs to George's wife, Betty, their children, their grandchildren, and the entire Armstrong family. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, George Armstrong was a huge role player for the Maple Leafs during their Stanley Cup years. Um, just, it seems like, you and I have said it a number of times, it seems like we kind of go off and, and, and talk about somebody passing away each and every episode. Um, Armstrong is a, a Hall of Famer. He played 1,188 regular season games over his NHL career, had 296 goals and 713 points. Um, over that span, he played his entire career with the Toronto Maple Leafs, debuted in 1949-1950, played two games that season, and retired after the 1970-71 season. Um, he was a part of four Stanley Cup winning teams with the Maple Leafs. And obviously, um, you know, a sad day for the Maple Leafs, sad day for the, the world of hockey, and uh, we wish him and his family all the best. Absolutely. I mean, when you think of the Toronto Maple Leafs, George Armstrong is one of the first players that comes to your mind. I mean, he signed a, he first signed with the team as a 16-year-old in 1946, 75 years with the organization through different, you know, positions. Um, this team held true and, to, true and dear to him. And you know what? It's... It's it's disappointing. It's sad to hear that, you know, another... I mean, I'm going to be really honest. When I found out that Johnny Bauer died, I, like, literally almost bawled. Because um, I had just met him, like, a year or two before at an autograph session. He signed a Christmas ornament of mine. And I have not put that ornament up on the tree. It's still hidden. In my room, Johnny Bauer's signature right there with his Hockey Hall of Fame signature on there. Um, that was the last time that I, and first time I've ever gotten to meet Johnny Bauer. And I'm regretting that I never got the opportunity to meet George Armstrong because he is a symbolic name in the Leaf community right now. And it's tough. It, it's it's very difficult. And again, I mean, we say it all the time on here. I mean, there, there's really nothing else much to say. He had a great career, and we extend our condolences to his family. And it, it was kind of great for a while because we didn't have any sad news. But now this just hits home a bit right now. Yeah, and that, and I think uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that Hank Aaron also passed away this week, uh, baseball legend. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, the true home run king. The no. true home run king. No help, no nothing, did it all himself. The real, real uh, baseball icon gone. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously, you know, it's a it's a sad time, and and uh, it just seems like this continues to push the boundaries of what uh, you know what um, what's been going on the last couple of uh, well, I guess a year and a bit now. So. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, as, as we mentioned, sad news on both ends uh, for the sport, sporting world and uh, for all those that uh, did know him on a personal level as well. So, Absolutely. That said, we shall move on. Um, that's episode 24 in the books. Peter, anything else you wanted to add to the, uh, the episode before we send this off to our listeners? I mean, we're on Sunday. 
Leafs play at four o'clock today. Go out and win it for George. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That's uh, yes. yeah. That's uh, the best thing you can do right now. I think it's uh, um, that's exactly what they need. That should be the pep top pep pep talk in the dressing room, and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully they're able to get it done. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, yeah. On a light on a on a lighter note, Andrew. Um, anything you've got coming out that the viewers can look forward to? Well, absolutely. Now that uh, now that your uh, your draft rankings are out there, <laughs> mine should be coming out in the next little while. Um, Excellent. Yes, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I obviously always love talking prospects. You know, it's tough right now with the OHL and all that kind of you know not not really happening. You don't get to watch a lot of a lot of these kids play. But uh, that being said, um, yeah, we will. Uh, I'll be releasing that. Um, on top of that, the Hockey Writers Live did have a show that you were on yesterday with uh, Talking Prospects uh, yes. with our prospect team there and, and the NHL draft uh, unit that we have at the Hockey Writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so for all those listening, please tune into that. That's a, a great opportunity for you to kind of get to know some of the players that are up and coming and shall make NHL debuts over the next uh, several seasons. So uh, look for that. and. Yeah, um, that's all I got for you. Awesome. I'm looking forward to your rankings, man. Uh, I mean, uh, last year when we were doing all of our draft profiles and everything, I was always looking forward to your stuff and Josh's. And year two, I'm looking forward to it. I appreciate that. And uh, for all those listening, as always, please tune in. Please share, you know, share the show. Um, mm-hmm subscribe on on whether it be spotify or itunes you can review on on uh itunes give us a rating uh help us out we can create better content when you guys help us out um otherwise hit us up on twitter sticks in the six pod s-t-i-x-i-n-t-h-e-6-i-x-p-o-d follow us there get involved in the conversation and uh you know we always love to hear what you guys think Absolutely. Appreciate it every single week. Continue to support. Um, Just thank you. Thank you all still. Yeah, have a good week, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Have a great one.